Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Daniel Lowry. This season, we are focusing on gospel movements, what they are, methods for bringing them about, and hearing stories from practitioners in the field. Today, we are joined by Andrew Bennett. Andrew is a physical therapist who lives in Santa Clarita with his wife of 24 years and two teenage kids. He attends Placerita Bible Church and is involved with a Novo Missions team in Santa Clarita, where he reaches out to the Santa Clarita and San Fernando Valleys in Southern California. Andrew, welcome. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yes, it's so cool to get you on. We've been trying for a while. Couldn't make the times work, but I'm super excited to uh, to get you on and share your story. So a lot of times what I like to do is start interviews with something funny, you know, a little comical to just mm-hmm. help people know that uh, you are, in fact, not perfect. <laughs> you are an everyday, an everyday guy. <laughs> everyday Joe. Yeah, an everyday guy. So do you have some sort of funny, like, mission story or something like that you could share with us? Ministry story? Well... Right after my wife and I were married, uh, this is before kids, we went to Guadalajara, Mexico for a year-long, they call it a short-term international uh, missions trip with what's now crew. At the time, it was Campus Crusade. So we're down in Guadalajara, Mexico, and that has a you know a whole bunch of funny stuff. But I think one of the things I remember best is, you know, we're at this, some kind of a getaway, like a spring break kind of, a, or, or, or something where we're taking, the, the kids were trying to disciple from the university to a camp or, you know, to, to, for some talks and some time like that. And so it's, it's a big, big thing. And so the ladies are going to stay with the late, with the girls in those cabins and, and, you know, the boys, you know, the men stay with the college men in other cabins. So, and that's fine. So, but Heron, my wife wants, wants me to check out the cabin. She says, I don't know about this cabin. Like, okay. So me and some of the other guys go over there and it does look a little, a little, uh, a little creepy. I'm like, uh, it, you know, it hasn't been used for a while. It's pretty dark, dusty. It's, it's okay. You know, it's gotta be okay. I'll, I'll clean this up and I'll move this mattress back to where it's supposed to be and we'll be fine. I pick up that mattress and I swear to you, every mouse in Mexico was living in that mattress. And it was like a ratatouille moment. Like they all see me at the same time. All 600 of them just headed different directions. I mean, it was pandemonium. My wife and the gals with her just screaming. And it was like the biggest game of whack-a-mole you've ever been a part of all of a sudden, just trying to, and of course it didn't work. So, uh, for that whole entire camp, my wife slept in a car, you know, and not in the cabin with the girl. So it was, you know, and now it's funny, but at the time it was just, you know, blood curdle screaming. I, it was crazy. Oh my gosh, dude. I can't even imagine. There was one time when we were living, not well, I mean, we're living where we are now, where um, Kristen opened up the garage door, turned on the lights, and it was exactly like you talked about. Like there was this scurry. <laughs> of mice just went everywhere. She ran to the back room to get me to tell me. And somehow I was in trouble for it. And then she refused to come back in the house until it was. So I totally, (laughs) I totally, I totally understand uh, where you're coming from. That is hilarious. That is so funny. So, well, thanks for again, joining us. Uh, I am yeah, super excited yeah. to just hear your story. I mean, we're teammates on Novo team, so I know a lot of your story just in our conversations. 
But just hearing you, having you get to share with, you know, our listeners is I think going to be such a super cool treat. So love to start off with just a little bit about your upbringing, you know, uh, where were you born, family life, church upbringing, any sort of ministry type endeavors? Yeah, born and raised in Ohio, um, which was really, really good. I like, you know, being in the country and my church upbringing was a little bit scattered. You know, we would go to a church for a while, then it would fold or something would happen, but they were were good, solid churches for the, for the most part. And so I learned a lot, I I feel like, and, and, you know, came to the Lord, saving faith in him as a child, really with my parents, because that's where I got most of my theological training was really from my mom and dad as, as we're, but, but in that church environment too. So it was, you know, I feel like it was really helpful and it really put me on the right path. And I authentically began following Christ earnestly on my own, I would say junior high, if not even a little bit before that, just based on, you know, my, my background and, and what the Lord was doing in my own life. So, so yeah, I, I feel like that part was, and, and the different churches we were a part of were good in, in terms of they, they preached the word and, you know, didn't hear a lot of weird stuff. So that was good. Cool, cool. So from that vantage point in terms of like pretty solid foundation, yes, like theologically you would say you had good doctrine because right. I know that's rather important in more of the word-centered type churches, right? Like solid doctrine. For sure. Yeah. Was Jesus at all real to you? in this time or was it a little bit more of like an, I like he's an, he's more of an idea or a philosophical kind of thing. Like where, where were you? You know? Yeah. That's a fair question. And even from a young age, I was yearning for more direct, more personal interaction. So he, he was real to me, but it's almost like you have a, like a pen pal. This person's real and, and you know that, but yet there's a, a little bit of distance because of the manner in which you have to communicate is a bit delayed or wooden or, or what have you. And so, yeah, I, I would say very much. And, and even my motivation for what I was wanting to do, wanted to do things not so that I'd get religious points or something like that, but so that I could be close with the Lord and maintain that and not be far from him. So, but yeah, I, I, you know, I would say pen pals is a, is a good way to say that, even writing down my prayers and then, you know, and then reading the Bible. And so we had that kind of written communication going back and forth. That's probably what I would say. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. Um, were you always squeaky clean or were, was there any sort of yeah. rebel time in the Bennett's, the Bennett pass? Is yeah, there some I, dirty laundry you want to, you want to yeah, get out there? <laughs> Confession time. Yes. You know, and here's, here's another part that's weird about me. Probably not. Honestly, uh, you know, I, even when I began to walk the Lord on my own. You know, I would see my parents, my, my father especially, memorize bunches of scripture and would be up in the morning and, and having his own quiet time. I patterned myself off of him early and it just didn't make sense to have rebellious time because I, you know, I understood the gospel, I understood who, and just, and so from about, like I said, junior high on, my earnest goal was to walk with the Lord and obey him, even if it wasn't perfectly, but, but still there was never a lot of time where I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of, walking my own way, making a decision to turn away. No, n- none of that from, you know, childhood on. Okay. And then, and so would you say in your, uh, you said junior high, right? Like was when you kind of decided, like, I want to yeah. follow Jesus. So were you at all, right. like you started the Bible club at your school or you were evangelizing friends or was it more like, 
we just spend our time in the church and with Christian people. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the church was doing that. In fact, they even let me at the end, towards my end of my high school career, they would let me preach on the, the actual Sunday sermon as a teenager for our, our church a couple of times. They're a smaller church, but still. So I definitely took to that, but my bent seemed to be early on missions. I would, on my own, try to get these different gospel tracks, figure out how to, to do that and try to share this with, with people at school. Um, you know, there's a prayer club at school. So, you know, part of that, the see you at the poll, the different stuff. I tried to be as missional as I could. And some of that's just because as I was working through some of my own, the doubts that were, were coming against me, I had to, you know, and, and so some of this is my own study for myself that then just kind of overflows in, in missional ways. But, but yeah, most of my, you know, the stuff I was doing in junior high was just me trying to do missions the best I could, sort of on my own, without anybody really telling me, you know, try this or that. And just got a hold of some resources and gave it a, gave it a go. Okay. Um, and so uh, after high school, what, what happened? What, where, where are you going after that? I, you know, in, in high school, you know, I, I'm in a small country school called Big Walnut High School. It's a great little school, but it's just, there's not a lot of people. And there's certainly not a lot of people like me that, you know, they're kind of, this is my main driving motivation. This is, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to do. And so when I get to Bowling Green State University and, and join a, a campus, a college group, the Campus Crusade for Christ, there's a room with hundreds of people that are very, very similar to me. I remember more than half of them being very attractive women. So I, I was super excited when I, when I got to college. I'm like, there are so many people like me. This is, this is like the best, like, it's the best ever. So yeah, I mean, I just, as soon as you get to college, just hit the ground and run with these guys. Cause they, it's, you know, again, they, they were thinking like I was thinking. Uh, I, just, I didn't even realize that this many people like that existed. So it was a ton of fun. Met my wife. She, not, not at first, I was a junior. She came in as a freshman. So met her in Campus Crusade too and did a bunch of, I mean, ministry just took off because now I had a team. You know, now I had people go, oh, you know, try, let's do like this. So let's do it a team, you know, and then this is how you do discipleship. This is how you do evangelism, you know, whatever. And there was a method. Loved it. Studied that. Started teaching that, you know, doing Bible studies in dorms. And, and that's where I even, um, you know, after graduation, Aaron and I are married. We decided, yeah, you know what, let's, I, th I thought I might end up going on staff with, with Crusade. So let, let's go. Our school had that partnership with the University of Guadalajara, Mexico. So we, most of our folks for one year trips were going down there. So went down there and, you know, and, and so, the, and that was, that was interesting too, but that was harder, you know, that cross-cultural and I didn't know Spanish. So I had to, to pick that up as fast as I could as soon as we got down there. And after about four months or so, four or five, I was functional in that. And, but yeah, but the ministry was, slower going than in the United States and yeah yeah and so that's and also being like our second year of marriage it was great but that's a lot to put on a very new marriage hey let's go to a completely new culture where you don't have very much money see how that goes so so I, I you know I worked for crusade for a couple few years and so a great organization love them but they're not necessarily like that we exegete scripture kind of organization, you know, they have good theology, but it, right. it's just not that. So right. how were you kind of reconciling that with being a part of a group that was maybe a little bit more outreach focus was, was, did you find that was an issue at all or not so much? Not for me, you know, the, the whole idea of a parachurch organization, you know, which is obviously what we were dealing with, I was fine with because, it, you know, growing up in the church, 
I thought it was helpful, but I didn't, I always had that kind of go fight win mentality. This is great. This is great education, but let's take it on the road. Let's, let's, let's do something with this. And a lot of churches do that, but I, I just didn't, I just didn't feel like that was enough for me. Like, you know, the churches I was a part of in, you know, in my childhood and high school and all those things weren't as much mission minded as I wanted to be and crusade was. And so, yeah, uh, it was nice because it, we, I could start putting in the practice stuff that I've been wanting to, you know, that I've been learning about for years, but now we can do it. Let's actually go make a disciple. Let's, you know, let's see how that works. So the, the, here's the plan for how to do that. And here's how you can actually fulfill these things you've been reading about for years. So I, lo- I loved the practical aspect of it. And these guys were go-getters. And I liked that too. You know, they, they were just, they worked at it hard. And so you come back because it was a year long missions stint. Yeah. So you came back and then what's life like after that? Yeah. So we, you know, we came back into town. We're like, ah, I don't know that, you know, that didn't feel like we thought the Lord was going to call us. It was just like a stepping stone into this full-time ministry and that. But as we're down there, we get the sense, not just because the, the environment itself was hard, but we just get the sense that maybe this isn't what the Lord wants for us, uh, both Aaron and I. And so what I ended up doing was going back to school, getting my graduate degree in physical therapy to be the, the physical therapist like I do today and kind of turning from a campus ministry type thing to more church based, you, you know, church based stuff. And so in the ministry took a, a pretty sharp turn at that point when it was just doing, you know, whatever our local, you know, we were part of, depending on where we were living, different local churches and doing what they were doing, which is sometimes interesting, but wasn't super effective. I can remember, gosh, I was in, I think it was Marion, Ohio, and uh, just doing like this, almost like a, a version of a, a Christian version of a haunted house where you'd, you know, take people through it. And then at the end, there's the, you know, this, where would you go when you die? You know, which again, I, there, I, I think there are people that come to the Lord through that and there's, you know, but. Okay. But this I got to stop you, know, you, dude. So, how, <laughs> so <laughs> they go through a haunted house. Was it like suit? Like, it's not a like, haunted house, but like either. actual haunted, like, you know, people's brains and all that. And no, no, then, no. It's like, <laughs> no, it's like, this is your life. Like, okay. So what is there? You have a lot of rooms, right? And so the first room is the first scene. And so the different. Like if the, if it's a th- if the main character is a thirty year old man, you have to have different men that dress the same way, so you get it to the same character in the, all these scenes. And so the first scene is oh the high school kid drinking it up, whatever. Is second scene is the motorcycle crash and the ambulance and lights. And third scene is the pearly gates and why should I let you know you know that kind of thing. And then the one kid is yeah oh good because you know. And then the other kid is thrown into the, you know the the everlasting fire. And so but trying to make that more real, something like that, you know? So, so, I mean, there, so, we try anything, right? I'm sorry, dude. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so uh, how has this missional strategy not come up in one of our team meetings? Right? Like, hey, I don't we- know. I, I didn't find it super. I mean, like, here's the thing. I don't want to bash that. I, I, again, I think that there's, there's probably some effectiveness to that. I don't, Long term, I didn't really see that as uh, bearing out what I had hoped, you know. But, but it's hard to to do missional stuff. I feel like just stateside, being in part of a church, and that's the struggle like we had from that time on till, well, you know, essentially even through when I started hanging out with you. And just the problem is, the local church is very good. I feel like at shepherding type stuff, you know, um, keeping the sheep, nice tight ball. 
you know, stay out of air, do, you know, and, and so, which is good. I mean, and there, and there is real need for that. It's just that, you know, my heart, what I really like is missions in the local church. The answer to that is often to pay the missionaries to go and do that. And so, but now, you know, but now I was in a unique position that uh, I'm not in Africa or wherever else we're sending these folks. I'm here. Can I be a missionary here or not? And, you know, the, being a missionary here turns out in the local church can be tough. It's, it's just no easy solutions for that. Yeah. So you're, would you, would you say frustrated is an appropriate word or would you use a different word for kind of what you were experiencing? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. But yeah, no, for sure. Frustration. I mean, you know, leading the Bible studies, doing this, doing that, you you know, these are all great things, but it's really, it, it just becomes kind of saying the same things over and over again, reading the same type books over and over again. And, you know, and I think there is value in that because we continue to keep ourselves in the word. There is value there and there is value. But the, what I was really looking for is, you know, kingdom advancement, evangelism and discipleship of non-believers. I, I don't want to just trade sheep back and forth between existing churches. You know, let's, let's do this so we can get, you know, what I wanted to do is, is be used to, to call people from out of darkness into light. I want to be part of that process. That, that's why, for me, that's kind of the fun, the most exciting part. And that was just, and that was hard. So yeah, I would say frustrated would probably be fair. You know, just you know, kept reading the books, you know, and I, I would send away and get this materials and that materials, try this and, and, and that, but nothing was, was working real well. And then we are family friends. We've been family friends for quite some time, I think, probably maybe going yeah, on a decade. Yeah, years. Our kids have homeschooled and our wives, I think, were were definitely friends before probably you and I ever yep. ever met. But uh, so we met and, yep. and Kristen and I had jumped into to Novo. We had transitioned out of a local church and then you and I had chatted a little bit and kind of checked out Novo for yourself. So tell us a little bit about about that journey kind of into the mission kind of work you're doing yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've never stopped reading books about this and, and trying to, and then in talking with you, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm part of a missions agency, which, you know, it's, oh, great. I wish I could be part of that too. But you're like, oh, no, no, no I'm not moving to somewhere else. I'm going to do that right here. And that's very interesting to me. Like, that's great. Um, and that's just something, again, different. I, and we always say in church, everyone's a missionary, you know, because we're all called to do that. That's true. But it's just, it's just hard to get traction on that and actually see that. So that, that's actually true. I would love to see that. I think it's more what I was thinking. You know what I mean? That, that sounds fantastic. I've heard this before. And that's when I started tracking, okay, well, you know, what's, what's going on? Is this a method-based thing? Is there a new method I need to learn? Or is this just a whole different way of thinking or, you know, or, or what, what's the story with this? And that's when I started to, to just grow a little bit. I think not only in, obviously there are some new methods and things that we're trying now that seem to be working here in the West, which uh, I hadn't, hadn't done up to that point, but even theologically kind of like, okay, you, you know, we all, everyone gets lip service to prayer. Yeah. Oh, we got to pray about this. Got to pray. Great. My prayer was, you know, speeches at God, essentially, or, or writing stuff down, you know, sending out missives mm-hmm. to him, which is not bad. That, that, that's, but I think I really needed a prayer upgrade is, is it, because missions is above all spiritual works and that's something that any of us could really do. And so it, is you're, you're essentially trying to operate in the spiritual realm or, or you know, see things happen in that area. See, you kind of got to get good at, at, at 
playing in that zone. And so that's the other thing I think Novo did for me. It was just like, hey, let's think about your prayer life and see if we can expand on kind of where you are. Not that where I am was bad, but there was, there was more. You can actually not just say things to the Lord, but you can, you know, hear things from him too, which is shocking, you know, because I came from an area was like, you do not do that. That is no good, you know. <laughs> so, I'm like, wait, wait, what? You know, so it, it took a little bit of theological sorting out. Okay, are we, you know, no, no, nobody's writing new scripture here. None of this crazy stuff, but, but allowing for the Holy Spirit to get, be more specific with how, you know, within the boundaries of scripture, but more specific. I was explaining this to, to my son the other day. So we're saying, you know, that the, you can be led by the Holy Spirit. It's never outside of the boundaries of scripture. Everyone agrees on that. But realize if you say it can only, he can, Holy Spirit can only highlight a word in scripture, that, that will lead, lead him to a certain level of, of being general, of generality, you lack specificity. For example, you can love your neighbor as yourself, which means you can do anything in front of your neighbors, and that's you know fully within what the Lord is saying. However, the Lord leading you, I think Mrs. Johnson, two doors down, needs a word of encouragement today. That's the specificity you can't get just from reading the Bible, although it's obviously within the bounds of the Bible, but you, you can't. The Holy Spirit, in some denominations, that is way out of bounds. No, 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 no. And in some, they're like, yeah, this is how the Holy Spirit works. It's within scripture, but he does lead in certain ways. And so as I was kind of growing into a little bit more of, oh, you mean that the back and forth can be a little bit more actual back and forth? You know, I know it sounded weird because for all these years I've been selling, not selling, but it's almost like you're selling a relationship with the Lord. But if someone asks you, what's that, what's that look like, dude? You'd be like, I don't know. You know, I, I say stuff to him, then I read the Bible, which is fine. And the Lord does speak through the Bible hundred percent. In fact, that's a launching pad for lots of, of conversations. But, but I've I'd kind of grown in my, my openness to the Holy Spirit being more, more specific than just the generalities of, you know, of the Bible. And then that really helped as, as well in terms of, oh, okay, now my prayer and my ability to interact with the Lord is just sharper. And that, that seems to be a, a big difference too, you know, from that time. Okay, so activating prayer is really kind of the the foundational point of like a jumping off point into a new yeah. way of doing things. So you wind up finding Novo, which is an organization that you feel like theologically you can resonate with, and they've got yeah. some you know good tools and resources and really relationships to uh, that you want to be a part of. So you and your wife jump on. So what does ministry look like for you today? Like in the last year or no, so, so no. what have you left your job? Are you fundraising? <laughs> you know, like, have you put your kids to work? Like what, yes. <laughs> what's life look like? Well, that, that last part's actually a good idea, but yeah. <laughs> so no, you know, I haven't, I'm a physical therapist and I do home health, which has been great. And I've continued to do that. So I don't raise support like, um, like a vocational mi- you know, missionary would. But I joined staff with Novo, and that's one of the things I like about Novo is they don't make that distinction. They're like, hey, if this, the Lord's calling you in this season to work this job and be a missionary, fine, there are lots of people like that within Novo. It's not just one way. And so, you know, in Novo's eyes, I, I am staff, you know, as well. So, and yeah, so, so this last year has just been, it's just been really neat to see the fruition of some of these things, not only just, you know, maybe a deepening and sharpening of, of prayer and my, my intimacy with the Lord, but then, even 
there's a little bit of strategy shift too. Again, because Novo is nice because it's a team. It's kind of like being back in college where I found my people. Okay, these are the people that are going after what I want to go after. And it's just so, you know, Christianity is a team sport. Even the, the specific things within Christianity that we're doing, like reaching this or that, it's, it's all a team sport. And so finding that team has been super helpful, especially the, um, like what I do now is slightly different from college in terms of ministry, like strategy, because in college, sort of the strategy was this wide, trying to share the gospel over a wide period. We would take a survey or do some kind of a, a thing to get a conversation going, either take a survey on the beach or knock on the door and, you know, or come to this event or that event or whatever it was. But the goal is to get a survey or, or to get to talk with someone so we can ask them if they would like to essentially hear the gospel and you know how they can know, you know, God personally or, or whatever the, the phrase is, that's what you're asking for. And then the people who say, yes, you share the gospel. And we're taught how to do that. And then those who respond to the gospel, then you, did, you, you know, kind of take them through discipleship and there's, there's a whole path and they end up, you know, teaching them to do what you just did. It's great and, and it worked well. Here, I don't know, I feel like things are a little bit different here. And Novo helped me to kind of, because they're doing missions all over the place and it's almost like a research and development squad. And so they're like, this is what's been working well. Try this. And so it's now it's almost flipped in, in the sense that we'll try discipleship first, which then leads to the gospel rather than the gospel, which leads to discipleship. So, you know, I'll come across a person, maybe I'm someone I meet through work or some, something and okay, hey, can, can I pray for you? You know, I feel like the Lord, maybe you should pray for this person. So great, you know, pray for them. And that can then lead to just general discussion about about the Bible and God and things like that. And from there, we say, you know, what I have told people is like, you know, everyone's got their own kind of history or background or understanding of God, whether it be this, you know, high and lofty or not very much or whatever it is. Everyone's got a background of some kind of understanding. But do you want to actually meet God personally? Because what I do, one of my specialties is I help people to actually interact with God directly through the Bible. And then, you know, that's essentially the ask there. And then people either say, yeah, yeah gosh, that, that, that sounds okay. Or, or no. And so, and those who do, then we just start looking at the Bible and letting them, you know, letting them sort of interact with the Lord through the scriptures. And then it, it's really interesting, interesting to watch. Then you can see people as they're kind of ready to hear the gospel or, or be able to understand it better after they've gone through some time in the Bible before they even necessarily hear the gospel all put together. And so that's more so what I'm doing now is having people get into the, get into the word in just short, easy ways where they can start to see these things for themselves. And then the gospel kind of naturally comes out of that. And then you know, we just kind of take it from there. Okay. So share with us, share with, can you share with us a story of maybe someone who's been saved, a DBS that you started, something like that? Can you share yeah. with us like an actual um, not just like the theory, you know, but real life mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So just a, a patient, you know, someone who I knew, uh, I knew they were having some physical struggles. And so I asked, Hey, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm someone who prays. Can I pray for you? He's like, sure. Yeah. So I pray. And honestly, nothing miraculous happens. It's not like, and then this, you know, and then the light came down or, or what have you. But, and this is, I think, how the Lord works sometimes too. It's not necessarily how you would think. Nothing miraculous had to happen, but that really opened up some doors. We got into some conversations about just general things like that. Like, okay, his particular background is more Catholic, which again, that's fine. You know what I mean? There are a lot of those, those folks are, 
gospel sharing and doing all this kind of stuff too. But, but this particular guy didn't really have a good understanding of the gospel. And really, he had just been sort of nominally Catholic. So he agreed to go through the Bible with me. And then after a period over a month, it was literally months of looking at the word and who Jesus is really to start to unlock, because I almost feel like he wouldn't be ready for the gospel before understanding things like grace or, or, or understanding who Jesus really was and what, what he came for. Did he, you know, and, you know, he hung out with sinners. These, these kind of things are sometimes foreign concepts. And so I feel like this have someone get this through the scriptures themselves really prepares them for the gospel. And then you can almost kind of see the lights go on. You're like, oh my goodness, so this is who Jesus was. I, I don't think I really knew that. Fantastic. And then at, you know, after several months, I'm like, okay, now we've been talking about the pieces. Let me put this together for you, almost like a diagram. Because you know, I'm more of a science-y type background. And so stuff makes better sense to me in diagrams, really. You know, I'm less, a thousand words won't help, but a picture or a diagram will really kind of put it together for me. So I'm like, yeah, here's three circles. This is how that what we're talking about, the gospel, grace, faith, sin, how this all kind of comes together in one cohesive picture. This is the problem. This is the solution. This is how we kind of do that. And so, you know, this, this training from even college comes in handy, but it's just now after, honestly, you kind of start discipleship first and then get into the gospel and then continue discipleship, you know, all through that. Okay, cool. And so I think when, you know, when you're kind of talking about, this gentleman that you're working with, I think it really mm-hmm. harkens back or the way I heard it was it harkens back to what you said about how important it is to be open to and develop the skill of listening to the Holy Spirit. Because in your case, like so many well-meaning people have the method, just do step one, two, and three. So yeah, let's go pray with him. And then when he agrees to do some sort of Bible study, then you go through these 10 stories. And then by the time he's done with those 10 stories, then you pray the prayer of faith. And then, you know, it's like, it's just all methodical, right? But in real life, it just doesn't work that way. It's There's so many contextual issues. Everybody's so different. And I think that might go a little bit into what you're saying and like, why the local church struggles so much is because we try to methodize it, just do these things. You know, like, I, I'm i sorry, I just can't stop laughing about the haunted Halloween house. <laughs> but, but that's kind of a, kind of a one-size-fits-all evangelism method, right? right? And so that's a lot sure. of what, what, I don't want to just pick on the local church, but even the parachurch, missions organizations, kind of one size fits all. But because you've spent the time in that prayer upgrade and learning how to listen to this, to Jesus, here you are with this gentleman and you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit tell you what he needs. And when things are ready. And, yeah. and that's the, the key idea that everyone, and I've done this too, and I, I still find myself doing this. I'm reading a book on prayer, looking for like, you know, the magic combination or, you know, mm-hmm. And, but all along, we're telling people, no, it's a relationship. This isn't, he's not a genie. It's not a, you know, a calculator. You got to push certain buttons in a certain way, and then you're going to get what you want. As long as you want the good thing, you know, it really isn't. It is a relationship. And so there's no shortcut to actually being more intimate with the Lord. And that is, you know, and, and so that's, those are the books we got to read. Those are the kind of things like, okay, how do I draw near to him and really, you know, be quiet enough and, and hear as he's drawing near to me. And, you know, these kind of things for sure 
that's why some of these, yeah, I, I read them too, you know, the, the different books on, you know, the different methods and that, but it really is because and I think it was Francis Chan who said, you know, essentially this is raising the dead. These people are spiritually dead. And so if you knew you had to go right out in the graveyard and get someone out of those graves today, you know, how would that change is essentially how you approach it. You know, you bring the fog machine or, you know, like <laughs> turns out this is a spiritual thing you're doing from first to end. And so there's really no shortcut to, to just abiding with him and figuring out how to do that better than watching as he works. Because I don't think there is a system that you can force this to happen. Like you sort of want to. Yeah, no, good point. I, I just love how it comes out in your story, how important listening is developing that skill. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a foundational skill. I always hearken back mm-hmm. to um, sure. book of revelation, seven letters to the seven churches. You know, they all end with the same, you know, he who has an ear to hear, he let him hear what hear. the spirit says. Yep. To the churches, the churches and, and yeah. I think, you know, I don't know, it just gets lost. I mean, God bless Francis Chan for bringing, talking about the seven letters to the seven churches, but you don't, you don't hear those sermons too often, you know, in Sunday morning outside of, you know, this is who the Antichrist is, right? Like, you just don't hear right, a lot right. of that. So that's really cool that that's what success looks like in your context is being open yeah. to listening. And then going the speed that he wants. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because, and then it's like, oh, how do I get, you know, I want this and that. And, uh, you know, someone who was uh, kind of counseling me in, in mission type stuff over the summer said, you know, a lot of missions is, is really, a guy named Bill Oberon is his name, said, you know, a lot of, we always think missions is about me and my ministry. Really, it's about what the Lord's doing with them. You know, you know, me having a fantastic ministry, really super high on God's list, you know, because, you know, my righteousness my, or my intimacy with him. You know, I, I think I, a lot of times I will misorder the importance of things and think that, it, you know, how I have it is exactly how God has it. But, you know, and so therefore I think it's important that I see all this fruit and do all these things. But, but really, you know, what's, what's important is my obedience and, and righteousness is the, truly the, the, the currency that we're dealing with here. I think, you know, that's what he's after. And that's through obedience. And we'll see that in working out what he's doing. But, you know, whether the exact number of fruit or how fast this goes is really all up to him. And therefore, so therefore I can't, I don't have to worry about this being, ah, uh, I should have gone faster somehow. Because you just can't. All you can do is really abide and just, you know, do your best to see what's going on and to respond. I think another question I, I think would be pertinent that I'd love to ask is like, you are a physical therapist and you work yep. 40 hours a week at least, right? Yep, yep. Your wife is a school teacher, so, you know. Yeah. Everybody knows how much they work. <laughs> you got two very active Jeez, kids, works, yeah. you know, yeah. in activities. And you were mentioning before we even talk, one of them is doing tennis right now, you know, as we speak. Yep. Yep. Man, I was a local church pastor for too long, really, uh, but for a long time. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had that stemmed around, I'm too busy. Oh, the kids have got a lot going on. Work's really tough you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, so how do you, how do you do it? Like, how do you keep, you know, focusing on your marriage? How do you make sure you don't like lose your kids along the way? Um, How are you successful at your work? Like, how how are you making these, all of these different areas of your life kind of come together? Cool. That's a good question. And that's, I feel like that that's almost something that needs constant readjusting because I don't know. I tend to not do well at multitasking, which is weird when you list all those things. I'm like, holy moly, that's a ton of stuff. 
I'm feeling overwhelmed already. You just mentioning it, but, but the reality is that, you know, for me, it helps to simplify things you like with the kids. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't have a lot of, uh, I, I spend a good amount of time with the kids because I'm here a, a lot and I don't do, I'm not, you know, I don't have a hobby that takes me out of the house a, a ton and, and those kind of things. And I and try to set aside a little bit of time for, for each one on a, you know, every other week or something like that, we'll go out. Um, and so just trying to have a little things like that, which need tweaked depending on what's going on with the kids world or, you know, you know, date nights on Wednesday and that kind of thing. The mission is really factoring that into what I'm doing because I'm motivated to, to do it. That isn't as hard. These things are just, I'm kind of inserting them within my work schedule because I can, I can control my schedule. I can see a patient here and there and then do a Bible study somewhere and then, you know, see another patient somewhere else. So I have a little bit of control over my schedule, which helps. But I think the big part, the, the, the biggest part of that is that intimacy with the Lord kind of creates, or at least for me, uh, it creates that desire to do that. So it doesn't seem as like another task I got to add to my list. It, you know, the, it, it's, it's different because it's just an outflow of what I've been wanting to do for a long time and a natural outflow of kind of that intimacy with the Lord, that yeah, that time with him kind of ends up there. And that's not always true. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not perfect at that. You know, I, I, every year I got to spend more time with the Lord, you know, not because I, because it's a task, but because I really want to, it just, you know, life does happen like you're saying. And so I'm not, I'm not great at that and it's a shifting target. And so I'm always recalibrating it. I think it's probably the best answer, but when you spend time with the Lord and really start to see him move through you, it's, it's really fun. And it, but, it's less hard to factor that into your day than you would think because it is just something almost like more natural that you would do. And even as he's doing things like stuff pops up, that I didn't really plan for, oh, I got to make sure I talk to this guy that I work with. No, he was just there and sort of like, you know, I'm like, I'm reminded. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got to talk to the guy. Hey, you want to come over for dinner? It took like two seconds. And I didn't really plan it, but just because if you, you know, if I'm, in that place from walking with the Lord and, and just wanting to see what he's doing and available, then some of these things aren't even playing. These aren't tasks that I have to do. The Lord will just kind of present that sometimes. I'm not saying this happens, you know, every day, but, but I think that happens too. I realize more is happening with stuff I didn't even plan than all this, you know, this structured thing I had planned to make sure I accomplished something. So just being kind of aware of what's going on and doing my daily life and watching for what he does is maybe another thing that, that helps with that. Yeah, I think uh, you're you're like a great example of what it looks like to be a normal guy, and and I don't mean normal in like an average sense. You know what I mean? I mean normal in the sense of like your life looks like most other people's in sure. the sense of yep. you know Get you have an work. occupation, yep. you're married, yep. kids, yep. you like to fish, yep. look at birds, like you know you got all the stuff, Outdoors but is, yet. Yep you're a part of seeing a gospel movement happen. Like you're an active part of that. You're not one that just kind of, you know, gives his money towards it and go get them guys, but you're an active part of it. You're, you're seeing the fruits, you're discipling other people. And yet you are going to wake up like tomorrow morning and you have a a. 9am, you know, you have a a. 9am meeting with a patient, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Off we go. Right. 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 And your daughter's got, you know, Youth group you got to get to tomorrow night. So I think yep. it's really a, an sure. inspirational story that you can do it, you know? And I even yeah. feel like, you know, because I've prayed about this too, like, you know, I'm willing to go to Africa, literally. I'm like, I would love to find some kind of way that that would happen. You know, I love 
change and doing those things. So I'm kind of weird in that way. But realistically, the fruit that I'm seeing now is not in any other way, but through my job. My job is really my mission field. And everyone kind of says that, and I've said that for years, but it really is. And so even as I'm trying to do stuff with with you and some of our Novo team to develop other mission fields, it is still, the, the for me, the most fruitful mission field by far is actually my work. And so in one sense, I'm like, I can't, I couldn't give this up because I wouldn't have anything to do like mission wise. Like this is my mission. So the Lord has found a way to utilize what I'm, you know, what he's already doing with me and kind of help me to bloom where I'm planted. And it doesn't, it wasn't about me finding another place. It's about me plugging into him and just seeing kind of what he's doing around me and just being available to that. Yeah. I think America is in desperate need of more people like you and not more missionaries to Africa. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I'm not against them. I'm not saying it'll never happen, but right now, Lord, it's, you know. Yeah, I, no, I'm just saying, like, you know, when you look at this country and kind of the Christian rates and where the, you know, the local church is struggling with attendance and, you know, the, the, a lot of the, you know, social issues we're facing, we, yeah. Oh, for sure. One of the other things I would tell the kids, too, is like, you know, we're, we live in L.A. You don't have to go to the world. The world came here, literally. You know, within a work day, I can hear three languages, maybe four, you know, so. Everyone is here. If you want a sampling of the world, it is right in this county. So kind of depending on where you are, sometimes the world will come to you. You don't, you don't have to go. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I just want to transition just back to some things you had mentioned, talking about a word-centered kind of upbringing. Mm-hmm. And just kind of at our, our final talking point, so to speak, Sam Metcalf, a number of years ago, wrote a book called Word, Deed, and Power. And how there typically tends to be kind of three streams of the local church or Christianity, you know, the word centered, which you have talked about in your story, and then the deed centered. And those churches are people that uh, it's a little bit more focused on uh, mercy, ministry, serving, you know, deeds, uh, community service, things like that. And then the power dynamic, which is a little bit more of uh, the experiential side of Christianity, you know, the signs, the wonders, the tongues and work, you know, the, the full body worship for lack of a better term, but you know, kind of things like that. And Sam makes this wonderful statement on how it's not about throwing out any one of them, or it's not about any one of them being better. It's about finding the middle, you know, that sweet spot. And so I'd love for you to maybe just Share with us your journey from word-centered, kind of your ideas and some transition points, from word-centered, not so much into a deed or power, but more like in the middle, you know, like a healthy view of all three. So if you could share with that with us a little bit. Yeah, you know, as coming from the, a more word-centered background, which is, again, is a, is a fantastic background to come from. And there, there is, you know, I learned a ton in that still use all, all the time. You know, it's very, very important. But as I, you know, as I was exposed to the things you would need beyond the mission field and how prayer can really work, I realized a couple of things. One, my theology always held that, you know, the Holy Spirit can do things. I never, I never believed that the, the Holy Spirit just kind of took a back seat to the Holy Bible. As soon as the Holy Bible was written, the Holy Bible replaced the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit now just works through the Bible in a way that you can't tell because if you can tell that, then you're charismatic. And, you know, of course, where I come from, being charismatic is maybe the worst thing that could happen to you. So, 
being introduced to people who are more that way and open to some of these gifts, I knew, number one, I wasn't against that. I wasn't like, oh, that, that can't be. Because the Bible says that at this point, they're going to stop. It doesn't. You know, I, I, that's the thing about being word-centric. You know the word. So like, yeah, there, so there's no place where it's like, yeah, at this point, when we collect all these letters into a nice leather-bound book, then the Holy Spirit's going to stop doing all this stuff. And the New Testament is going to be like the Old Testament, what it used to do but doesn't do because we have a new thing going on. So it never says that. And so I, I knew that. And so being open to being a little more centrist was helpful. And I would say my encouragement to people that are like me is don't, I think I was scared that if I open myself up to give, going deeper with, with the Lord, specifically through the Holy Spirit, that I was going to end up charismatic somehow or, you know, doing backflips or, you know, taking headfirst plunges into the baptismal just in the middle of something. And so, and I, and I think the reality is God is way better father than I could even imagine. And so he, this is not the kind of thing he would do with someone with my background. He's very gentle and, and leading me. And what I had done in my desire to avoid being charismatic and some of the, the stuff that, and there are some crazy stuff that's, you know, in the extremes of all these camps, right? You know, but in my desire to avoid that, I had also thrown out the ability to interact with God through the Holy Spirit. I'd thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And that's what I would, I would say, take a look at that because you know, you can have an actual two-way relationship with God in Jesus through his spirit, which he, he gives you. And that's actually possible. And there are depths of that. And giftings are always something that kind of can throw you off. Oh, what about this gift? That's that gift. Just about every time you hear about gifts mentioned in the Bible, usually the overarching context is, hey, calm down, okay? The gifts are, you know, everyone has different gifts. Everyone just, you know, relax. It, you know, the gifts aren't the main thing. It's It's something else. And so, No, I kind of had to say that to myself as I'm contemplating this. I'm like, you know what? Gifts, the Lord gives, and that's fine. And some people have some and some others. And that's not a determiner of how much God loves you or how useful you are in ministry or any of those things. What I want to do, though, is not in my fear of some of these things, get rid of my ability to to interact with the Holy Spirit. Because that's for everyone. That's not a gift. That's everyone. And so that would be my, my, I don't know, my encouragement would be, Hey, take a look at that because there is something you can almost always, I, w- I would think, and at least to my life so far, that you can always go deeper with the Lord in intimacy. Doesn't mean you're charismatic, but that, that is available. And that's where I think some true growth happens. That's where a lot of joy can happen and get rid of that kind of stale, uh, you know, frustrated, I'm doing the same thing, get up, go to church, come home, go to bed. I don't know, just repeat. But when it actually becomes a back and forth relationship, I think there's depth there that I'm still trying to plumb, honestly. You know, I think we probably all are, but that, that, that's what I would encourage. So I just want to, you know, me, I just want to set the record straight that as someone who's come from like a power, you know, kind of side of things for most of his Christian life, I just want to say that we get into baptismal like everybody else. Okay. Like one, one foot at a time. So I don't know where this stuff head first, like we're, we're like, you know what I mean? Like Dude, one foot at a time. It takes so, like one video. Yeah, I don't know what you, you, where you word center guys are coming from. <laughs> what stuff you've been doing. You know, it's not, you see these crazy videos. I'm like, what is going on? If you're just screaming or running up, I just throw that. And you're like, yeah. I, 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 Lord, honestly, I don't want that because it doesn't yeah. feel like that honor. You know, and again, I'm not even judging that. You know what I mean? Like, here's the thing, because it's not my job to do that. You know, I don't have to, to figure out what's going on with that. But, you know, I can be confident the Lord is a good father for me. He wants me to become closer to him and I can trust him and, and go ahead and delve into listening to him. And again, 
I think there are ways to do that. And, and I know you may be able to mention um, a book or two that will really help with that. I know in my, even before Nova, I had already started to kind of think about these things with, through some of the stuff that John Eldridge wrote. He, he's a good author. Dallas Willard also has some good things on not only spiritual disciplines, which he's probably more known for, but, but some of the stuff we're talking about here. And then, of course, Tim Metcalf and, and some, some of the Novo people have, have their own things too. But, so there's a way to kind of respectfully, you know, and theologically soundly get in, you know, deep in your relationship with the Lord that way. Hmm. What would you say would be maybe a correction you might want to bring to the word-centered way of engaging in the Christian life? You know, if I was, was going to say it for my power, you know, the power dynamic, kind of things. It would be, you know, God gave us the Bible for reasons other than just waving in the air. You know what I mean? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, that, like there's, there's other reasons for the Bible than, than just that. And just like, is it, is it possible to have experience and still, you know, utilize our minds? So that would be the correction that I would give. So what, what would be yours for kind of the word centered uh, kind of you know, way of, I, kind yeah. of, I've heard this somewhere. I forget who some visiting pastor or missionary or something from another country had come in. I think it was either England or America and saw how the, the church at that time, which wasn't this year, it was sometime in the past, was doing things. And his comment was, there is so much that people can do without the Holy Spirit. And, and I feel like that's sort of the correction for word. Like for me, really, where I come from is I have this desire. It's God-given desire see the kingdom come, to do, to be intimate with the Lord and all these things like that. But if my manner of doing it is really just kind of striving, I'm going to do this. I will, you know, I will study this is cerebral. I will study this enough. I will be smart enough. And that's what will equate to intimacy and fruitfulness and ministry or whatever. That would be my correction is it doesn't, being the smartest person about the Bible doesn't necessarily translate to the most intimacy. And I, I think we know that inherently. So my you know, correction or advice would be, you know, be careful because I fall into this all the time too. I just revert back into kind of just striving, just working on these things on myself and kind of leaving the Holy Spirit out of it. Like this is something that I can do on my own. Like I don't have to pay attention to you. I can, I'll study the Bible myself. I'm a smart guy. I know this language pretty well. I'm going to study this and I'm going to do that. But, you know, or ministry or anything like that. That's, I would, I'd be careful about that part. Mm. Yeah, good word. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Andrew, again, thanks for taking the time. Share with us your story. I know it's very encouraging to me and uh, hopefully it's going to be encouraging to a lot of people uh, around the world. And once again, thank you again. Yeah, that was fun. That was. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. So thank you all for joining us for this episode of Only on a Sunday. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and feel free to check out what we're doing at scvunderground.org. So again, thanks for joining us and we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.